0: alright we've been talking about the seven shades of the seven shades of pride the seven shades of pride and we've highlighted that the thing about pride and what it does is that the Bible tells us God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so if we want to experience God's grace if we want to experience his unmerited favor we need to walk in humility But if we want to be opposed by God himself, then let's remain in pride. And so we've been talking about the seven shades of pride. And today I'm going to focus on one of them. I want to talk to you about familiarity. And if you've missed the previous parts of this series, please, I encourage you to get onto our website where you can listen to it, where you can read the notes. But we're going to talk today about familiarity. Familiarity. Familiarity is an interesting word because it can be used positively and it can also be used negatively. So when you say, are you familiar with this program? Are you familiar with a Yamaha sound desk? Praise God, we've got Remember here with us. It's great to have you here. We feel safe. We feel secure. Thank you. <laughs> the guys at the sound training said it was really great. Okay. All right. Are you familiar with a Yamaha sound desk? Are you familiar with a Roland keyboard? Are you familiar with that particular software in construction? I used to have chats with Michael and we'd talk about familiarity with certain software in the construction industry. So when we talk about familiarity, we're talking about comfortable, being comfortable with something. Being used to something. But how many of you know that sometimes we get to a place where we don't see ourselves aright in relationship to other people and we become familiar with them. And you see, the spirit of familiarity is where you don't recognize people's position or rank in relation to you, in relation to yourself. So the spirit of familiarity, we see it in scripture and we see how some people become familiar with God. Some people become familiar with their spouse I don't mean, if you know the Bible tells us that husbands honor your wives as the weaker vessel or deal with your wives with understanding lest your prayers be hindered. Could it be that we've become familiar with our spouses? We're so used to them and it's now hindering our prayer life. I talk to lots of people and you see them spiritual giants but they completely disrespect their spouse. And then you see the way their lives pan out, and for some of us observing, we can see why. But you see, the type of pride that familiarity is, is you're blinded to it. You're blinded to it, you're completely unaware that this is why I'm not having my breakthrough, it's because of the manner in which I've treated my wife. you can be familiar with God you can be familiar with your spouse you can be familiar with your pastors yeah. i didn't hear a big amen <laughs> <laughs> okay we're going to go deep into this so when you are familiar with those God is using you look down on them yeah. and you see it's a superiority complex It's lacking that understanding that there's certain people who are over me in the Lord. Now, sometimes that gets abused a lot. And if you've experienced spiritual abuse in your life, you react when people talk about that. But when you go according to the word of God, you begin to see that there's honor that you give certain people because of the different roles that they play in your life. And that's what we want to talk about today. You see, because it can rob you from God's blessing Because it results in unbelief. It results in unbelief. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 56 to 58. Matthew chapter 13, verses 56 to 58. This is people speaking about Jesus and his sisters. Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. When you become familiar with someone God wants to use in your life, you end up offended by that person. And you're robbed of the blessing of God that could come into your life. And the root of the spirit of familiarity is pride. It's a pride that says... But this person is just like us. His sisters are here with us. So how can it be that he's doing these wonderful works and then unbelief kicks in? How many of you know that all those great men of God that you see all over the world, they've got brothers, they've got sisters, they've got mothers, they've got children. They're someone's son, they're someone's daughter. They used to poop in their nappies and someone would wipe their bum. Come on now. So why is it that when people who are local here in South Africa, here in your city, here in your church, why is it that we become familiar because we're like, but I know his cousin. People like Ishaid, this doesn't apply to him, but he could say something like, you know, I'm married, my, my sister is married to his younger brother because we related that way. and his sisters are they not all with us where then did this man get all these things how many of you know that there are people around you who've got stuff and god wants to use those people to bring blessing to your life but if you're offended by them if your mentality is but they're just like us therefore i can't get anything from them maybe you've short-circuited yourself from the blessing of god from the very person you wanted to use to bring blessing to your life and jesus said to them what is his response did he feel sorry for himself what is his response he says a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household in other words jesus here is talking about celebrity status have you noticed that whenever you go, those of you who travel to other countries, whenever you go and speak in another country, automatically you have that celebrity status. There's a particular guy, a consultant, who I used to work with in the past, an American guy, and he would come out to southern Africa and he also go to Kenya. And it was interesting because I said, he said to me, Paul, half of, more than half my work is in Africa. And I would say to him, well, why don't you move here? And he says, I would lose my celebrity (laughs) status. And he was right. When I was organizing some public seminars that that I'm going to be doing in in Nairobi, Kenya, the people who were organizing them for me, they said, Paul, we've got local guys here, but the fact that you're from outside, your talks will just sound just like that. It's fine. we have got this. Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except... In his own hometown. Could it be that we're not seeing the miracles that we're supposed to be seeing? Because we've become familiar with the gifts, the ministry gifts in our midst. I'm not just talking about myself. A particular man of God was saying it seems to him, it seems that the further away from home that he is, the greater the miracles that take place. And he's used very powerfully, but he says it seems like the further away I am, the greater the type of miracles that take place. How many of you know that when we, talk, when we talk about the glory of God in our midst, when we talk about the power of God being released in our midst, it's not dependent on one person, but there's a corporate anointing that releases the glory. There's certain things we've seen in this church that we've only seen during Ignite, when we have a time of extended worship. If you've studied how the glory of God works, how angels are activated, very often it's through the watch of the Lord when people are having extended times of worship and prayer. And that's why we do it. But could it be that we've become familiar even with the presence of God in our midst? Many people come to our services and they say, sure, the presence of God. On certain days when I, um, we, we didn't have a band or it was a holiday or something like that and we would sing just with videos. Remember some of those days. And I remember I would be apologetic with some first-time visitors saying, oh yeah, we didn't, you know, the band is off today and so on. And they said, that's it's not about the band. It's about the presence of God. And we felt the presence of God. Amen. Have we become familiar with the presence of God in our midst? Because that's what the spirit of pride does. The spirit of pride says, I don't really need it. I don't really need it. I, I can survive on my own. I remember years ago a particular evangelist and I knew the point he was trying to make. It was a particular outreach somewhere in the Eastern Cape and I remember sitting there and he was trying to explain that people need to be strong spiritually. And he says, you must be strong. You, mu- you, must, you, must, be, you must be like the church by yourself as an individual. You must be strong. Theologically it was flawed what he was saying. I knew the point he was trying to make. How I many of you know we need each other? Sometimes we become familiar with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That uh, What can they do to help me? I can do this on my own. I'm a self-made man. There's no self-made man. There's no self-made man. That's the spirit of pride speaking. Say, I don't need anyone. I remember one of my second or third cousins, I remember speaking to him once. He had been, it was back in about 1994 and I traveled down, I think for university, came down from Zimbabwe to South Africa and I remember meeting him in Joburg, I bumped into him or we met and I said to him, because I'm quite a relational guy, I said, so, so who are your friends? I was intimidated by the size of Joburg and I was like, who are your friends here? And he said to me, I'm one out. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard some Zimbabweans speak like that, I'm one out. <laughs> And he was proud of it. And I've never forgotten that. And some people are very proud of being one out because they become familiar with the gifts around them. What can they do for me? I'm okay by myself. Now, watch this. It says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own, in his hometown and in his own household. What's the consequence? And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Jesus believed But because they became familiar with him It hindered the miraculous Could it be that there's a move of God that God has planned for us over the last few years here at Go Christian Church But because of the spirit of familiarity, we haven't experienced the fullness. Have we seen miracles? Yes, we have with people have come back with testimonies healing of HIV healing of all sorts of things We've heard that But my question to you is, could there be more that God wants to do? For those who don't know, it was one person who actually came back with that testimony. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Could it be that your husband could be ministering to you in a very powerful way, but because you've become familiar with him, there's no family breakthrough? Could it be that your wife could be praying powerful prayers of agreement with you for breakthrough in your business, but because you've become familiar with her, there's no breakthrough? Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through to 15. And this is a very interesting case we see in scripture that many of you would be familiar with, of the spirit of familiar, familiarity. I'm addressing this very strongly. If you hear me being passionate, it's because I'm addressing a spirit. Lord showed me in a dream, two dreams I had last night, that specifically spoke of the spirit of familiarity in this church. So let's not generalize, let's not think Paul is just sharing a theory that, that for the world and so on. I'm talking about this church here, go Christian church. And then the Lord confirmed with two dreams, specifically talking about it, saying it's a demonic entity that the enemy has assigned to hinder the progress of this church. I'm reading from verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. When you become familiar with someone, you criticize them a lot. When you become familiar with someone, basically Moses had married someone who didn't have the same skin color as him or his sister. He had married a Cushite. She was dark-skinned in comparison to them. And they began to speak against Moses primarily because of the spirit of familiarity. When the spirit of familiarity creeps into a church, people begin to be careless with their words. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Had Moses done anything wrong in their eyes? Not necessarily. He just married someone who they didn't like and they didn't approve of. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? What the spirit of familiarity does is if God is using an individual in a special way, those of us who come from an egalitarian background, a background where we like to say, no, but all people are equal. Now we know that all people are equal before God. But you see, when you come from that mindset, you put the same weight onto your opinion as someone who's leading something. it happen to you even in the workplace where you think you know how to run the business why am I speaking with such passion, I'm speaking with such passion because these are the things that hinder the call of God in the lives, the blessing of God on lives and you see it when you look at God's reaction it says they asked, hasn't he also spoken through us and the Lord heard this If you look in scripture, you'll see that God hears our conversations. When you slander people, when you slander your boss, when you slander the president of a country, when you mock people in authority, when you mimic them and make fun of them, and when you become familiar with them, God hears it. me just say something as I share this, it's not like there's something that's just happened like yesterday or something. Or it, so don't get too nervous. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, please repent. Amen? Amen? So I'm not angry about a specific thing. Although if I start thinking about cases and so on, of course things will come up. Amen? But I'm trying not to think that way. <laughs> just so you know. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man. School of humility. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. How many of you, that's very often if you're a humble person, people take advantage of it. When you're a down-to-earth person who says like, guys, it's cool, like you're my top face, let's connect. People take advantage of it and sometimes become familiar with you. And the mistake a lot of people make is they stop being humble and they change their leadership style. And all of a sudden they like distance themselves from people because they want the respect. If you're a leader, your job is to be humble. If you are working with someone and you're under their oversight, your job is to not be familiar with them. Now watch this, because it happens very quickly. Verse 4, and I've seen this happen to people, even in this church, the consequences. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam come out to the tent of meeting all three of you so the three of them went out then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam now it will be this very interesting because you would think that this is how the Lord would respond let's say there's been some adultery or something or let's say there's been some other kind of sin But I find it very interesting the type of things that really really grieve God because it says at once you'll notice with other sins if you study in scripture you'll notice in other cases God didn't react or respond this quick but when these people spoke against him and they might have been doing it in a nice way they might have been sitting down just saying won't this lady lead him astray oh we're concerned about this push up says God saw that as they spoke against Moses. Now watch this. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. How many of you have visions? I speak to them in dreams. How many of you have spiritual dreams? But this is not true of my servant Moses. How many of you know their levels? He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. God was basically saying there's rank in the spirits. Now, I've taught a lot on humility and servant leadership. Suppose you coming the first time, we're not a church that emphasizes some people are on some kind of platform there and everyone else is a minion. So when I share this, please take it in the right context. Amen? Mm-hmm. But you see, we can't go that other extreme where we start saying, oh, it's just, you know, like, there's no leadership, you know, we we'll just do whatever we like. Because it hinders the blessing on a church. Yeah. Amen. So watch this. Jesus, God distinguishes between all these prophets etc and moses here's the principle there's a difference between the believers authority and spiritual authority when we talk about the believers authority do all believers have the authority to cast out devils yes, yes. when we talk about spiritual authority we're talking about apostolic jurisdiction that god gives certain people in a region That's why Paul the Apostle says, I'm an apostle to you, but I'm not to those others. And I won't function beyond the sphere of authority that God has given me. The word in the Greek is the word metron. Some of you, God has given authority and influence in certain power centers. And it's important that you know what that is. Because when you step out of that, you find yourself going into other realms that you don't want to go into. And you wonder, why aren't things happening? But how many of you know that God gives certain people in regions authority? We call it spiritual authority. That's why there's sometimes when people just walk into a room and all of a sudden it's like demons are just doing all sorts of things, fleeing, they're afraid of certain people. Why? The person has been given authority in that particular region. Now I know there's some apostles who think that they've got authority globally everywhere and they're everyone's apostle, but that's not biblical. Now, watch what happens. He says, I speak to them in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. How I many of you know that the degree to which you are faithful very often is the degree to which God raises you up and rewards you and increases your spiritual authority in a region? We can teach on that on another occasion. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then? I love the way God deals with us. He asks us questions. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I sometimes hear the way people speak of certain people. I hear the way they speak of their spouse. I hear the way they speak of their pastors. I hear the way they analyze and give feedback and so on. Like they're the person's mentor. When I finish preaching, please, afterwards, if you are blessed by the message, say, thank you, the message blessed me. Don't say, that was a good word. Good stuff there. Because you're not my mentor. (laughs) Simple as that. I didn't ask you to mentor me. I'm being serious. There was, I'm talking from experience now. There was a time when I was in a particular church and there was a guy in the church went up to my wife she had preached a powerful message guy who went up to her and said secretly to her a grown man with grown children went went secretly to her or he wrote a card in fact he wrote a card that was it you know and he was basically saying maybe I can have a mentorship relationship with you and I can mentor you in this you know as, as you preach he said that this was back in about 2006 Right? And he says we can keep this between ourselves don't tell your husband but the funny thing is he gave me the card to, give to. <laughs> You see the spirit of pride causes people to play certain roles God hasn't given them There's nothing wrong with giving someone feedback but do it with the spirit of humility there was a guy around that same time who came to me, I think he was a journalist or something, and he said, you know what, I like I like giving an evaluation to preachers when they preach. So for your last few sermons, I've been evaluating you out of 10. And I just wanted to say to you, yeah, so far, everything is up there. You've been getting 9s out of 10s. Fortunately, I was getting high marks in his eyes. This is a member of the congregation. Fortunately, I was getting high marks. If I was getting 4s out of 10s. <laughs> He was doing it with a good heart. Maybe he thought because he was a journalist, that's his position now, to, to rate me. When you listen to a message, your primary role is to understand the message and apply it in your life, not to evaluate and give feedback. There are people in my life who do that. Does that make sense? By the way, I'm not upset with this. Again, I'm not thinking of anyone. So if you've ever done that, I'm not thinking of you, Okay. But I see it happening in the church. That's what familiarity does. But it's not true of my servant Moses. Now watch this. The Lord says this concerning Moses. And he says, Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Verse 9. The anger of the Lord burned against them. Some people today say God doesn't get angry. The anger of the Lord burned against them. Why do people say God doesn't get angry? He was angry against them. No, God, God, God is not this God who gets angry with you. The anger of the Lord burned against them. No, God doesn't get angry. You've just discounted the word of God. The anger of the Lord burned against them. He doesn't sin in his anger. He's perfect. Anger is not a sinful emotion When it's channeled in the right direction That's a whole nother teaching Some of you came to that at Bible school Overcoming anger The anger of the Lord burned against them And he left them This is very interesting He calls them in His anger burns against them And he leaves them doesn't say a whole lot Could it be that the anger of the Lord Has burned against you and you're not even aware that it's happened now watch this it says when the clouds lifted from above the tent how many of you know that there's the cloud of God's glory and how many of you know that God's glory can be a blessing to you or it can also bring destruction Mm -hmm. that's why we have to be very careful as the level of glory increases in the church because the level of destruction of the bad stuff also increases That's why sometimes when the move of God is so strong in a church setting and we're seeing miracles, we're seeing signs, we're seeing wonders, we also see a lot of horrible stuff happening in certain people's lives. And the Bible here says that, talking about the glory cloud, it says, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her, And saw that she had a defiling skin disease and he said to Moses please my Lord I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed so who had the power to reverse the situation who had the power to reverse the situation Moses Moses. Did you see how very quickly when people saw the consequence of what had taken place, all of a sudden, he, Moses, we recognize that there are indeed levels, you've got to do something for us. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not talking theory with you. I've been in situations, like I remember years ago, where a particular couple had not, had not respected my leadership in a situation. And I would try and direct things in one way, and they would direct things in another way. And the husband ended up with something life-threatening. And I remember, sometimes it takes that for people to have a wake-up call. And I remember being in a situation where the wife was just so anxious when that took place. She came into a prayer meeting, she began to wash our feet, my wife and I apologize and saying we have not seen you aright. Wonderful people, great people. And the healing happened. the husband was fine. But the point I'm making is that this that we see here is not just an old testament thing. Yeah. See, people like to choose. People like to choose this will put in the new covenant, this will put in the old covenant. Yeah. It's not that it's not that old covenant stuff. These are God's universal laws. You see, when you look at scripture, the law of reaping and sowing, sowing and reaping, it's not an old covenant law. The law of sowing and reaping is a universal law. Seed time and harvest will always be there. When Jesus said, with the same measure you judge others, you'll be judged. He didn't say, oh yeah, but now because I died on the cross for you and now I'm going to rise up, it won't apply anymore. And that's why it's important for us to understand what is new covenant and how does the new covenant operate in the life of the believer and what is old covenant, what has ended and what is still there. And I want to encourage you, if you know that you've slandered, if you know that you've lied against leaders, and the reason I emphasize church leaders is because God has just chosen to use church leaders for things that are sacred. A lot of times we become familiar with the Word of God if you know that you've been in those situations repent as soon as possible repent before God as soon as possible sometimes we become familiar with the Word of God have you noticed that I spend way more time preparing a sermon that I preach on a Sunday than I do with my corporate seminars way way more time why this is more important. Now, some people say, no, but it doesn't matter what you're teaching on. Let me tell you something. If I'm teaching on leadership, I can teach my opinion. Yeah. And this is my view. You know, with leadership, yeah, this is my view. When I'm teaching the word of God, the Bible says that those of you, not, of, not all of you should become teachers of the word. For the teacher will be judged more strictly. Why? Because you're saying this is God's word and you have to rightly divide it. I can't afford to say something nice and fancy just because it will tickle people's ears even though it's not rightly divided. But what I've observed in the church is that people spend hours I'm check, double checking that PowerPoint presentation I'm doing for my chairperson to see if it's right. I'm triple checking now. I'm quadruple checking. But if they're running a small group, is it the same? If they're running, if they're asked to teach something, is it the same? We become familiar with our ministry. We become familiar with the Word of God. Someone is getting this this morning. She had a defiling skin disease, and he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, now he's calling him my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. You see, very often the sins of the mouth, the sins of the tongue are done in foolishness because we enjoy the gossip. Now what is so powerful is that Aaron and Miriam could join the dots. They could see that this leprosy is is the result of how we had been slandering him. Could it be that there are many people today who can't join the dots? They're seeing things in their lives, but they can't connect it to the fact that I lied against my pastor. That's why this is happening in my life. I dishonored my wife by cheating on her. That's why this is happening in my life. I dishonored my spouse by being involved in internet porn that's why this is happening in my life new covenant if my eye lands on you I, i'm not thinking of you you know when people when people in church when there's this guilt and so on and then like i'm just connecting with the audience and so it's like yo did he see something in me <laughs> Now watch what happened. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord. Moses was a cool person, eh? Because he didn't have to do this. If you look at Moses, if you look at Abraham, the way they would intercede for cities. Moses cried out to the Lord, please God heal her." Many times in my life, when people have been familiar toward me, I've, prayed for, I've cried out for God's mercy. Because I, because I know the consequences. I've cried out for God's mercy. I said, Lord, please, they don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. Many people who call themselves men of God won't cry out for God's mercies. Please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people did not, the people did not, they did not move on until she was brought back. Could it be that in the spirit there are people right now who've been confined and the rest of the church can't move on until the period of confinement is over? Could it be that because of familiarity and slander, we're hindering the progress that God has in store for us? My question to you is, what is your familiarity causing you to say and do? First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. I read it earlier on, I spoke to it. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. The word honor speaks of to put weight on. That's what it means. To put weight on something. You see, we like to emphasize wives submit to your husbands, and that's true, and wives should do that. But the Bible also says, you husbands must give honor to your wives. How do we honor our wives? Go and read it in my book, Conversing. There's a whole chapter there called The Honor Conversation. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. It's not talking about spiritual, spiritually weaker. It's talking about fragile, Handle with care. So as men, very often we are gruff with our wives. We're not sensitive to them. We're not tender towards them. I see some women smiling. <laughs> Go there, Pastor. Go there. <laughs> and then when they come, I'm talking about. I'm talking from experience. I'll raise. I'll be the first to raise my. Then when they come, in, they say, "When you said this, it hurts me, and you weren't sensitive about this." And then we become defensive and we're like, "I think you're being too sensitive." You know, just the Bible here is saying, "You husbands." deal with your wives with? Understanding. As the weaker vessel. Weaker, fragile, handled with care. Men and women are not the same. There's a way you can speak to your guy friends and you get away with it and you move on with it. If You try to do that to your wife. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Is it possible to be a believer in Jesus and your prayers are hindered? Yes. Is it possible to be a believer in Jesus and some of your prayers are not answered? Yes. What causes it? One of the things that causes it is this. At some stage we'll do a series where we'll teach more on prayer and we'll teach the things that hinder prayer. Because they are there. But one of them is dishonoring your spouse. I mean, if you know, it takes humility to honor another person. I want to share with you some signs of familiarity as I close. I'm going to list them. I'm going to go through them quickly. We're going to post them on the website. You'll see them there today. And I want to encourage you to go through them. And if you find that any of them applies to you, to repent of that. Because we want God's hand on our lives. We want to be used. That's why I'm preaching this message. We don't want anything to be hindered. I want the same page here. We don't want anything to hinder our walk with the Lord. Are you ready the first sign is inappropriate rebuking when you inappropriately rebuke someone who's an authority over you that's a sign of familiarity the Bible tells us and it's very important to understand this where Paul says to Timothy do not rebuke an older man harshly but appeal to him as you would a father if I've got an issue with Loxley, I won't address it with Loxley in the same way as I would address it with my son. If my son Samuel is running around, my nine-year-old, turning 10, running around the building, it's appropriate for me to say, come on guys, stop doing that, you're not supposed to, I've told you that before. Even if I'm doing it in front of people, it's okay because he's doing it publicly. If Loxley is raising his voice or talking loudly in a particular context, and I say, Listen, just keep it down. Sort yourself out, man. What's the problem? I've said this before. It's inappropriate. Does that make sense? When you're dealing with someone who's older, an older person, there's a manner in which you appeal to them as you would a father, even if you're their pastor. I didn't say you ignore the issue. You still address it. Paul was saying to Timothy, don't let people look down on you because... Of your youthful nature, yeah. I'm forty, turning forty-one. Loxley is about seventy-nine. I just know it's late seventies. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Will I ever have to address anything with them? Of course, but there's a way I'll do it. Mm-hmm. When you become familiar with people, you treat them like they're little kids. You talk to them like they're just one of your friends. Like, hey, you 1st Timothy 5 verse 1 never speak harshly in the NLT never speak harshly to an older man but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father some of you are like that example doesn't work because there's a way I speak to my dad Paul you know I don't know be careful of assuming the role of mentor for those who are over you in the Lord did they ask you to play that role or is it your pride and presumptuous nature that is speaking Second sign of familiarity, refusal to follow instructions. Sometimes in the church setting, when people don't follow instructions, we kind of think to ourselves, they'll never do this at work. So why is it that they drop everything when it's their boss at work? But when it comes to pastors in the church, saying this is the direction we're moving. We've already debated it as a leadership team. The time of debate has already happened. Now we're saying to the congregation, let's advance, let's go. This is war time now. And you see some people dragging their feet. And some people don't say to you, no, I disagree. It is important when you have an issue to be able to talk about it, to say, you know what, I see this this way. Or can you give me clarity on this because I don't fully understand. There's always room for that. The thing is, some people don't do that. What they do is they resist passive aggression. Yeah. They'll say yes to you on the outside, but inside they're sitting down. That's wrong. That's familiarity. Amen. Are you clear about what issues are open to debate and what issues have already been deba- debated in another forum? And now it's a directive. It takes maturity to discern, isn't it? And if you're not sure, then ask. Thirdly, dishonoring of appointments or commitments. With familiarity, you dishonor appointments that you've made or commitments that you've made. And you see this happening amongst spouses, don't you? You've got a date with your wife and you're running late and you don't even phone her to say, honey, or whatever you call her, sugar, pumpkin, my partner, whatever you call her. <laughs> you're running late, but you don't say, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. But with your boss, you'll do that. Familiarity has crept into our marriages and it's killing our marriages. When you set up times to meet with people and you're always canceling, ah, they'll understand, ah, they'll understand. Don't overcommit in the first place. Part of self-awareness is actually having a sense of this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Otherwise you'll find that you'll make so many commitments in one week and you'll spend the whole week cancelling and cancelling and cancelling on people. Dishonouring of appointments or commitments. The fourth, tardiness without communication. It's when there's a meeting and what happens is you've got a meeting And instead of excusing yourself with the person who's chairing that meeting, you send someone else to do it. And the person that chairs the meeting is frustrated because they were counting on you and your involvement in the meeting. And now they suddenly discovered 15 minutes into the meeting that you actually weren't there. Are you hearing me today? Fourth, fifth, no longer seeking the person's wisdom or giftedness. You're doing business ventures, but you don't speak to your spouse about it. You become familiar. You used to do things together and seek them out in terms of wisdom, but now it's like, I'm doing so well, I'm successful, I've got this. It's a pride that overestimates one's abilities and one's own wisdom. One of the principles in entrepreneurship is spousal support for those who are married. It's been found that the people who are most successful in entrepreneurship they do things in agreement with their spouses and the ones that go on their own mission a lot of them end up failing are there people that you need to seek out their wisdom and their giftedness what am I talking about how many of you know that if you receive a prophet as a prophet you receive a prophet's reward you receive the benefits of their prophetic gift If you receive a prophet as just a friend, you'll only receive the reward of friendship. And a lot of people, you know, are quite proud of it in church settings, you know. I'm really cool because we are mates. It's cool we can be mates, but there's so much more that I could bring to your life if you receive me as that also. How many of you know that there are many friends you can have out there? But how many apostles do you know? How many prophets do you know? Trace is a prophet. She functions the ministry gift of prophets. There are all sorts of things she sees in the spirit that I, I disallow her from sharing in the church. It will freak people out. People won't know what to do with it. I recognize that mantle that when I relate to her, I relate as a husband. But I also acknowledge that she's a prophet if I receive her only as a wife I'll receive only the reward of a wife so I'm not going to be foolish amen in this church I recognize the pastoral wisdom of some of the people if you ask Michael there are a lot of things I phone him to bounce off where I don't have to be but I do it because I recognize the pastoral wisdom that he has concerning issues ask them ask Michael ask him by number six a fixed view of a person that's why people said can anything good come from Nazareth I'm letting you know that if you've got a fixed view of a person you won't be able to receive from them If your view is, I remember this guy when they were a teenager. I remember Lena when she was in second year university when we were ministering on a university campus. And you box them and you forget that we've now moved on, it's 10 years later. The same Lena who was there in second year university is not the same Lena today. When we've got a fixed view of someone, you will limit yourself in how you use them and what you get from them. How many of you know that you've got people in your family right now, even children, it's not the same 15-year-old you had 20 years ago. They've grown up and they can be a blessing to you. A fixed view. We place the person into a box with regards to their abilities. Oh, we knew him as a child. He can't do that. One of the things, we had a family reunion Um, we were down in Port Elizabeth and I had family from all over the world people from the UK people who are based in South Sudan people who've been all over we're all there together and I spoke and I said to them what is it that the world is celebrating in you that your family is not a beneficiary of what is it that the world is celebrating in you that your family is not a beneficiary of And that often happens when there's familiarity. You see, you might be in a situation where you're a financial advisor and people are paying you thousands of rands, millions of rands because of your skill. But when was the last time a friend of yours or your siblings came and asked for advice concerning money matters? Familiarity does that, doesn't it? It's so important that whatever gifts are here in the local church are celebrated in the local church where i need help for certain things some of the best people are here in the church i'm not familiar with them ask them when i've done certain things with with emily the way i speak of her in other forums and people are like who did such and such for you who did such and such for you? and i'll rave about her she's in our church i'm not familiar with her. Amen. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Amtata? Can anything good come from Yozu? Can anything good come from Sunnyside? Can anything good come from Mamelotti? hearing some yeses now. I'm now being more relevant. Can anything good come from Hamaskara? Can anything good come from Limpopo? Number seven, the world is celebrating them for something of which their family is not a beneficiary. Number eight, they're no longer treasuring the person. So it's like, ah, oh, it was your birthday. I, when, when is it? Two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Whereas spouses, you no longer celebrate your anniversaries. You've been married for so long. I know I'm guilty of that sometimes. Yeah, no, okay, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah we'll be quite busy. Oh, you're not feeling 100%. Okay, next week we'll celebrate. And there's a place for that, but sometimes when you've been married a long time, you become relaxed about these things. Do you know why it's important to celebrate birthdays? Your birthday is the only day you're for doing nothing, just for being alive. (laughs) (laughs) Amen? Mm -hmm. When you celebrate someone's birthday, you're reinforcing self-acceptance, that we accept you as you are. The Bible says, give double honor to those who are over you in the Lord, especially those who do the work of teaching and preaching. One of the reasons in a a service like this, we like to celebrate the birthdays of the SLT in particular, is to honor them for the role they play in our lives. The work we do, we do as volunteers. No one gets an income from this. You understand that, right? And that's a little way of just celebrating. So if your, de- your birthday falls on the same day as one of the people who are in your pastoral oversight, don't be like, how come their birthday is being celebrated and not mine? You've become familiar. Oh, but my child has also got a birthday on that day. Why aren't they mentioning them? They're are different areas where we celebrate different things. That's why we say, be involved in a small group. Be involved in mi- mi- areas of ministry where people know when your birthday is. And you will be celebrating in different places. But in the context of the church, imagine when we're a few thousand strong. What do we do? All those who are born in August. August babies. Everyone stand up. (laughs) It's easy if you are proud to get offended by certain things. Why them and not us? Why Moses? What about us also? Me too. And then you end up with leprosy through your own foolishness. Number nine, they're no longer worth your time. They're no longer worth your time. Can I unpack that yourself. Number ten, taking the person for granted. Ah, they'll always be there doing what they're doing for me and I'm entitled to it that's their job as pastors that's her job as my wife not saying thank you when she serves you that dinner ask my wife how many times I thank her in the course of a meal before the meal while she's preparing it last night when she wasn't feeling well I said to my love I really appreciate what you're doing even though you're not feeling well you'll still do a far better job Preparing supper than I would, even when she's sick. Okay. I know some of you are thinking, why don't you just make the meal Paul? During while I'm eating, this is really, really nice. Thank you so much. When I'm finished eating, thank you so much again. Then I feed the dogs. (laughs) Not with leftovers that I would have left over. No. Zach, that's my role now. Just Started to happen we didn't really discuss it I just started doing it more and more <laughs> we take each other for granted don't we how many of you when someone has preached a message text them and say that really spoke to my life what I found interesting in this church have you noticed that very often the cleverer that someone is the more prideful they are mm-hmm. but in this church I found it to be the opposite some of the most humble people I know in my life are the cleverest people like Lysias where's Lysias People like Lysias, with his PhD there. He's one of those people where he's always, oh, if I have a meeting with him, please, the rest of you, a lot of you are also like, I just want to celebrate Lysias, is that okay? Oh, me too. What about me also? If you've got that thing rising in you, what about me also? Then it's pride. Okay. With Lysias, I'll sit with him. I'll give him nuggets afterwards. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm reading such and such in your book. I'm very blessed. Thank you so much. Other people think they already know everything. That's pride. Yeah. We take each other for granted. Ah, they'll always be there. Ah, my wife, I know. She knows I'm bringing in lots of cash more than her into the family, so that's my bit. She'll always be there. Or even the other way around. Your husband is toiling, working so hard. It's like it's his job, he must provide for his kids. <laughs> Why should I thank him? Very often, my wife says to me, and if you don't do this ladies to your husbands you can learn from this, you can copy her often she'll say to me, thanks for working so hard she says that to me, because she knows the sacrifice she knows what it takes number eleven, not communicating appreciation they're just doing their job, I don't need to thank them Number 12: no longer showing affection. No hugs and kiss or kisses to greet or to say goodbye. It's like you just arrive at home, you carry on with your own thing. She carries on with her own thing. Children, just go to school. Don't say goodbye to their dad if the dad is still at home. If that's happening in your family, make sure you uproot the spirit of familiarity. that's what it does. People just go off in their own direction. That habit of people going to bed at night. I don't understand it. I've seen it happening from time to time with some people. They don't say goodnight to people. You're like, where's that person? Gone. (laughs) (laughs) I know some men do this. What I discovered is some men do this when the families are entertaining. You know, some guys have confessed this to me, not in the church, but they're probably examples in the church, where the wife will say, my husband is tactic. If he wants to go to bed, he won't actually tell me, and I'm there entertaining and so on. He'll just say, oh, I'm getting cold. Let me go and get a jersey. And then you don't see him. Oh no, I'm going to put the kids down. Two hours later, where's the dude? No longer showing affection, no hugs, no kisses, no greeting, no saying goodbye, no saying goodnight to each other. Not comforting them with affection when they share their pain. So your spouse shares her pain. Your husband shares his pain. It's almost like, yeah, I must just deal with it. In fact, some of you are happy when that happens because you want to see them punished and in your mind, like, God is punishing him. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna learn from that situation as you're dishing out the food. And all they needed was your comfort and your care. We become familiar with each other. almost done number 13 treating their knowledge and revelation casually you don't say amen when they have a powerful revelation to share I know their revelation they've said that before what new thing can he teach me I don't need to buy their new book I already know all his stuff happens here in the church people come to me they ask me all sorts of questions I think to myself if you had only read my book on relational maturity you'll have all the answers To the stuff you're saying. Let me explain this. Do you know why it's important? Let's say you miss a service. Do you know why it's important to catch up on the internet? And this is something I do. If I'm away and so on, it doesn't matter who's preaching. Do you know why it's important? This is how it works. There's revelation that I get, or whoever else is preaching gets. Not because we're so wise and clever. But because God loves the congregation and has got something for you. Some of the stuff I'm getting today and the stuff that's happening right now bubbling forth it's because it's for someone here yeah. and God loves the people. Now when you're not here on a particular Sunday for those who come once every four weeks, when you're not here, the solution to your problems very often is on a Sunday. How many of you have found that sometimes when we preach on a Sunday like now, it speaks to very very specific situations that you're in. What would have happened if you weren't here and you didn't catch up on the internet? By the internet that's why we do it. We do it because we recognize we're in partnership with each other, and part of my inheritance and my breakthrough is locked into the preaching of the word. That's why we do it. Now, we treat their knowledge and revelation casually. Number 14, we justify gossip about the person and we label it as evaluation, but we're really gossiping. We go and have the pastor for lunch afterwards. We have pastor for lunch. Pasta for lunch. <laughs> roast pasta. Let's roast them. Okay. Number 15. Putting more effort and excellence with others, but not with them. Putting more effort and excellence with others, but not with them. At work, you are brilliant with your boss, but at home and church, it's a different story. You become familiar with your spouse, you become familiar with your pastors. There's no thorough preparation you just wing it 16 not caring about the preservation of the relationship I'll just say whatever I want to say doesn't matter I don't care about the relationship 17 despising prophecy and the call of God for your life so it's like I've heard that word before so the word no longer has an effect on your life you've despised it you get a word but your attitude is like I've heard that person prophesying it before Eighteen, despising the presence of God. Nineteen, minimizing the weight of the call of God on your life. Solomon prayed and said, Lord, give me wisdom. What drove him to that place? Give me wisdom because I need to lead such great a people. So I need wisdom. Have you noticed that sometimes we minimize the weight of the call of God on our lives? We're like, ah, it's just this side act I'll do on the side, this little thing. Okay? God has called us to much more than that. Number 20, failure to see the need to apologize. What we're basically saying is, you're not really important enough in my life for me to actually give you an apology. It's a superiority mentality. You burn bridges, but you're too superior to mend them. Number 21, inappropriately relating to the opposite sex. So you don't honor the other person's body, whether you're married to them or not, because there are ways you can dishonor your spouse's body even when you're married. Come on now, we become familiar with the opposite sex. When you touch someone inappropriately, someone of the opposite sex, that's familiarity. coarse jesting, it's linked to this coarse jesting in the presence of the opposite sex, there's certain ways men joke in front of women and the women feel defiled afterwards happens a lot in the workplace, using demeaning names for the opposite sex calling girls this, calling guys that how many of you know that you'll relate to people according to how you see them and how you call them and often this actually accentuates a culture of sexual violence in a country like this And then finally, number 22, bad manners. When you're familiar with people, you have bad manners around them. Things that you wouldn't do if a visitor is there, you end up, you do. Intentional farting. Or burping. In front of family members. You've become familiar. You've become familiar with each other. Your posture when you sit. There's a way you can sit when you're at home, but when you visit other people, you can't sit like that. Otherwise, it's familiarity. Yeah. Cell phone etiquette during meetings. Where you're in a meeting, whether it's a church meeting or a business meeting, and you have someone who is just picking up their phone. They don't, they don't even apologize for the fact that, oh, I've got this incoming call. The etiquette when you're in a meeting is you switch off your phone, Unless you're a doctor where your phone always has to be on and be on call, right? You switch off your phone or you put it on silent, or if you've got an important phone call to receive, you say it up front and you say, you know what, I'm going to have to receive such and such a call. Then you do it. Because if you keep picking up your phone in a meeting, guess what you're communicating? All of this other stuff in my life is more important than you. That's what's happening. I see family members I see how people in families very engaged when visitors are there but when their own spouse is speaking to them constantly distracted. Familiarity. And it will hinder your prayer life. It will hinder what God wants to do in your life. Let's pray.